Question four of the Baptist Catechism asks, what is the word of God? And the answer that is given is that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the word of God and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. I'd like to read now from 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. Would you hear now the reading of God's most holy word? Paul wrote to Timothy, a minister of the gospel, saying, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. To appreciate question four of our catechism, we do need to remember question three. We dealt with it so long ago, having taken a couple of weeks off from our afternoon worship service. So let us be reminded of what question three of our catechism addresses. Uh, question three addresses questions about knowing. How may we know? Question three begins. And that is a very interesting question all by itself. I think you would agree. How can we know things? How can we know things? All kinds of things. I think that question is worthy of our consideration. But in particular, question three asks, how may we know there is a God? How can we know this, that there is a God? And the answer that is given is helpful both to the general question, how may we know, and to the more specific question, how may we know there is a God? Answer, the light of nature in man and the works of God plainly declare that there is a God, but His Word and Spirit do, only it, do it fully and effectively for the salvation of sinners. So here, we learned a most foundational truth. We may know things in general, and we may know that God exists in particular because God has revealed truth to us. God has spoken, both through nature and also through His Word. We call these two forms of revelation general or natural revelation on the one hand, and special revelation on the other. God reveals Himself and certain truths about Himself generally, through the world that he has made. And God reveals himself and truths about himself much more specifically through his word. I might ask you, who has access to natural or general, general revelation? And we would have to confess that all people do. Anyone born into this world can, can look up at the stars uh, or see the trees and perceive that there is a creator. All people have access in one way or another, to one degree or another, to this natural or general revelation, but who has access to special revelation? Not all people do. It is only those who have 
read or heard the truths that are contained for us within Holy Scripture. Uh, Brothers and sisters, young and old, I, I think it is important for us to recognize that a couple of the most foundational truths of the Christian faith have been presented to us already in our catechism. God exists. That is one thing that we must know if we are to be faithful to to our God and if we are to practice true religion. But the second thing we must know is that this God who exists, He has revealed Himself. He has spoken. Uh, This is an incredible thing to consider. We may know this God truly because this God who created the heavens and the earth has spoken. He has revealed Himself to us both in nature and more specifically in the Holy Scriptures. Uh, These are very important truths that we are considering here. Um, I might ask you another question before moving on, though. Is it possible for men and women to be saved through natural revelation? I've talked about natural revelation or general revelation. I've talked about special revelation. That is what we have now in the Holy Scriptures. Is it possible for men and women to be saved through natural revelation? God has revealed Himself in nature. This is true. We can tell that He exists. We can tell that He's powerful. We can tell that He's worthy of praise. But can we be saved from our sins through it? No, Jesus Christ is not revealed to us in the stars. He's not revealed to us in the trees. The way of salvation is not laid out there for us in general or natural revelation. It is only contained for us in the pages now of Holy Scripture. And so we must cherish the Word of God. Should we cherish creation? Yes, we should appreciate it for what it is. But we must have a special love and appreciation for the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. So then question three introduced us to the Word of God. And now question four asks, what is the Word of God? And the answer that is given is very basic, but it is profound. The Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. Again, the question is, the answer is basic, but it's very helpful. So I want to consider it piece by piece with you. Here, The Holy Scriptures are said to be the Word of God. Scripture means writing. So we are talking about the Holy Scriptures or the Holy Writings. The writings that are being referred to here are, for the most part, the writings of men. Men like Moses, men like David, men like Paul wrote the Scriptures that we now have. But here we are confessing that these writings, these scriptures, are not ordinary writings. They are holy. We have the holy scriptures before us. The word holy reminds us that the scriptures are from God. These scriptures, these writings, they are pure. We confess that the scriptures are inspired by God. Um, Here we are really getting at the source of the Holy Scriptures. Did men write them? I've already said yes, indeed. Men wrote the Scriptures. Did men choose the words? Yes, they did. Can we get a sense of their education or their personalities through their writings? Yes, I think that we can, in fact. We can learn, we can get a sense of who these men were by uh, analyzing what they have, have written. Men wrote the Scriptures. But with the Holy Scriptures, there is more to the story. These men were inspired by God. God's Spirit carried them along to write what they wrote so that at the end of the day, we are correct to refer to their words as not the words of men, but as the Word of God. These scriptures are inspired. This is what Peter says, and I quote, 
Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is really a marvelous description of of the doctrine of inspiration here from Peter. He's thinking about the prophets of old who spoke uh, from God. They, they, They spoke, they spoke the words of men, but they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, moved along by the Holy Spirit of God to speak the words of God, therefore the prophets of old said, thus says the Lord, you know, when they, when they spoke, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. The prophecy was not the product of the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Scriptures are the word of God and they are therefore pure. The Scriptures are inspired. We also say that they are inerrant. They are infallible. They are trustworthy. They are sure. And by the way, if we are going to confess that the Scriptures are the words of God, we must also confess that they are inerrant. Can God err? No, He cannot err. They are inerrant. They are infallible. They are trustworthy. They are sure because they are from God. God cannot err. God cannot utter a lie. In fact, if we were not so constrained by time, I would explain to you that because the Scriptures are the words of God, we must view the scriptures as having these qualities or characteristics. The scriptures are inspired, they are clear, they are sufficient, they are authoritative. Those four qualities of scripture should be in your mind and hearts. When we think about the scriptures, we must recognize that they are inspired. Uh, God moved the writers of scripture along to write what they wrote. They are inspired by God. They are clear. If God has spoken, is should we assume that he is a good or bad communicator? <laughs> he is a good communicator. When we talk about the clarity or perspicuity of Scripture, we are saying that God has given us his word and they are understandable. That doesn't mean that we easily understand them or that everything just comes to us at once. No, we have to work to interpret the Holy Scriptures, but there is clarity to them so that we can, in fact, get at the meaning of the Holy Scriptures uh, with the help of God's Spirit. They are inspired, clear, sufficient Could God have said more to us than what he has said? Yes, but he has given us what we need in the Holy Scriptures. And the Scriptures are authoritative. We are to submit ourselves to the Word of God. We are to do what the Scriptures say. We are to worship as the Scriptures have prescribed. We are to believe what the Scriptures reveal. I said that the answer provided by our catechism is simple, If it were more complex, it might also address the fact that God has spoken in other ways in the past. God spoke in the past to men directly, as with Adam. He spoke to and through the prophets before Christ came into the world. And even during his life and ministry, he wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. Think of that for a moment. Uh, So we do have instances of of God writing his word with his own finger. We'll come to that um, as we consider the story of, of Exodus. Supremely, God spoke to us through his Son, Christ the Lord, the eternal word of God come in the flesh. All of that is true. And in fact, the first verse of the book of Hebrews speaks to these things. But where is the Word of God found today? Where is the Word of God found today? Not in the mouths of prophets, not from within ourselves, though we might treasure God's Word up in our heart. That's not here what I'm referring to. It it doesn't come from within. Where is the Word of God found today? 
in the Holy Scriptures. Here we have a record of what God has said through the prophets and through his son. We have it preserved for us today in the Holy Scriptures. If our catechism were more complex, it might also address the fact that what most of us read today are translations of the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures were written originally in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And when we speak of the Scriptures being inspired by God, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative, we have those texts in mind. The modern translations we possess, they are, they are marvelous. It is a tremendous blessing to have translations of the Holy Scripture in our native tongue and at our fingertips. But I think it is important for us to keep the distinction between the originals, copies of the originals, and translations of the originals in mind when we handle our English Bibles. Thanks be to God that He has not only spoken to us by His Word, He has also preserved the Scriptures for us so that we might know what He has said. And we are blessed in our day and age even to have the Scriptures in our native tongue so that we might access the Word of God, though most of us do not know Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Thanks be to God. What is the Word of God? The Holy Scriptures are the Word of God. More precisely, our catechism says that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God. The phrase of the Old and New Testaments is very important for it identifies what scriptures we have in mind. What writings are we talking about here? What writings are we identifying as the Word of God? Not just any writings. We are talking about the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. As you know, our catechism summarizes our confession of faith. And our confession of faith is more detailed at this point. The books of the Holy Scriptures are actually listed out in chapter 1, paragraph 2. They are listed there in our confession. Our confession says, this is the word of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, and here are the books for you listed out. The Holy Scriptures are made up of two testaments. And what divides the Old Testament from the New? What separates them? What historical event? You can answer, in fact. Jesus' birth. birth, The arrival of the Christ, the Messiah. That is the historical event that divides the Old Testament from the New Testament. Matthew 1 is the beginning of the New Testament. It begins by telling us about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, His life, death, burial, and resurrection. The other three Gospels do the same. The book of Acts tells us about the acts of Jesus' apostles. The epistles provide instruction for the church based upon what Jesus accomplished. The book of Revelation does the same thing while also giving us a glimpse of our final inheritance in Christ in apocalyptic form. Stated succinctly, the New Testament is about Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the consequence of all that he has done for us. You know, it it fleshes that out in the epistles and in the book of Revelation. What then is the Old Testament about? I mean, that is... A complex question, right? What is the Old Testament about? Well, it's about many, many things. But in brief, the Old Testament scriptures tell us about creation, man's fall into sin, the promise of God to provide a savior. The Messiah would emerge from the descendants of Abraham after they became a great nation. The vast majority of the Old Testament scriptures is about Israel, therefore, and what God did in and through them to bring the Messiah into the world. So then, we must see that both the Old and New Testament scriptures are about 
Jesus Christ. Both the Old and New Testament scriptures are, in their own way, about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament scriptures look forward to His coming. The New Testament scriptures tell us of His coming and the implications of His coming. This is, in fact, what Jesus taught His disciples on the road to Emmaus. As recorded in Luke 24, He interpreted the scriptures. That is to say, the Old Testament scriptures showing how all of the law, prophets, and psalms were fulfilled in Him. St. Augustine once famously described the relationship between the Old and New Testament like this. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. I'll read that again. I think it is a beautiful statement. The new is in the old concealed, kind of hidden. The New Testament is there in the Old Testament, hidden. But the Old Testament is in the new revealed. It's here that we see the revelation of Jesus the Christ in the New Testament scriptures. It's a wonderful statement there. The whole of scripture is really about Christ. It's about other things too. The glory of God, the supremacy of God, ethics, morality. Yes, all of that is there too. But it's about Jesus the Christ. After saying that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God, our catechism then declares that they are the only certain rule of faith and obedience. This is a very important statement. Rule here means standard. Rule here means standard. The Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament are the only certain rule or standard of faith and obedience. So what is the standard for what we should believe and for what we should do? Whose word is authoritative, in other words? Who sets the standard? Does the church set the standard? Does your pastor set the standard? We would say, no, not ultimately. Does our confession of faith set the standard? Does our catechism set the standard? No, these things are not a rule or standard for faith and obedience, what sets the standard? It is the Word of God that sets the standard. God does. That's really the right answer. God sets the standard. And where do we find God's Word concerning what we ought to believe and what we ought to do? We find it in the Holy Scriptures. So the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the only certain rule, standard, of faith and obedience. What should we believe about God? To the scriptures we must go. What should we believe about ourselves, our condition, our nature? To the scriptures we must go. What should we believe about salvation? Again, to the scriptures we must go. And how should we live? How should we worship? So many questions can be asked, right? I won't ask them all. To the scriptures we must go. Natural revelation may help us in some ways, but the rule of faith what we believe, and obedience, what we are to do, is not found there in natural revelation. It is found only in God's holy word. Do you know the scriptures, brothers and sisters? Do you know them? Do you love to listen to them read and preached? Do you read them for yourselves? Do you cherish them and store them up in your heart? We ought to, for the scriptures are God's word to us. I'll close now by reading Psalm 19, 7 through 11. Moreover, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Amen. What is the word of God? The holy scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the word of God and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. Let us bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for natural revelation, for the beauty of creation, and how it does day after day, night after night, declare your glory, O Lord. Father, we thank you even more so that you have spoken, that you have spoken through the prophets in ages past, that you have spoken supremely through your Son, that we have now the written word of God. Move us, O Lord, to cherish the word. May we see it as more precious than gold, very fine gold, and may we desire it even more than honey, the honey of the honeycomb. O God, make us eager to hear your word, to read it, to believe what is said within it, and to obey your commandments, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, we pray in Christ's name.